Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, I'll have information about 10TV's annual toy drive underway now and with a big event coming this Thursday. Then I'll talk with Lydia Mahalik, director of the Ohio Department of Development, about some of the holiday event opportunities around Ohio. In about 20 minutes, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10TV, Tracy Townsend covers a number of topics, including an interview with Vice President Kamala Harris, who was in Columbus a couple of weeks ago. She'll also have segments about the State Highway Patrol obtaining body cameras and about an effort at the State House to stop race-based hair discrimination in the workplace. And I'll wrap up the hour talking with a doctor at the Cleveland Clinic about the coronavirus. First up on Columbus Perspective, joining me on the phone, it's a very familiar voice to Central Ohio. It's Angela Pace, who is the Director of Community Affairs for our sister station, WBNS 10 TV. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dave? Good. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, we are uh, going to talk about a big annual event 10 TV is involved in. But first, what's been going on? How are you doing as we uh, navigate through this pandemic? I miss my house. <laughs> <laughs> We came back into the station in July, and I never really thought that I would miss my house and my couch and the little um, raggedy office setup that I had for 18 months, but I miss it. But it's also great to be back in the building and to see all my coworkers. And of course, all you radio folks have moved in, so that's fun. That's right. Uh, I, I haven't yet, but uh, soon and looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of new coworkers, and it'll be a good time. It's really kind of scary, though, Dave, to think that Common Man and T-Bone are <laughs> right downstairs. Yeah, yeah well, well, I've gotten used to that over the years, but it does take a while. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as your uh, job as kind of like the outreach guru for the station, how, what's going on with that these days? There is, it's amazing how it's changed, Dave, because when COVID first hit back in March, or the shutdowns began back in March of 2020, I really had no idea how that was going to impact what I did, except that I knew that all the events that I was supposed to be involved with were not going to happen, and I didn't know how we were going to navigate that. But I found that instead of being kind of on a shelf with nothing to do, I was busier last year and going into this year trying to help my nonprofits get the word out about what they were doing to deal with the pandemic. Hmm. So that kept me very very busy. Then when the social unrest hit last summer, that of course kept me busy as I tried to help our newsroom to find the right people to talk to and give them ideas on stories to do to try to help explain, uh, shine a light on everything that was going on. So it's been surprisingly busy having to shift and and pivot which i became i think became the word of the pandemic pivoting having to learn to do all that in a different kind of way and yet still serve not just our viewing audience but our nonprofit clients as well it's been interesting it was a challenge but boy i think we did a good job i think the station handled it and um, we kept everybody connected it's neat, you know, you having been an anchor there for so long, make a, a good bridge for, you know, what's going on with current events and, and still being able to reach back to your experiences and contacts. It's interesting because I I shifted into, into news gear, and it, it happened almost effortlessly. And I guess when you've spent 30 years 
on that side of the business, it doesn't just go away. So we had so many new people, surprisingly, who were hired in the newsroom during the pandemic. These were folks who didn't really know Columbus. They didn't have a lot of contacts. So I became kind of that resource and the go-to guy. Hey, call this person. Hey, I can put you in touch with that person. And uh, it gave me um, a whole new lease on life, and it was fun. It was really a lot of fun going back to my news roots and helping our new folks here to learn the city and to meet people who could help them tell the stories that needed to be told. Talking with Angela Pace, Director of Community Affairs for 10TV. Now, there's a a huge event. It's an annual event that 10TV is involved in that's uh, right around the corner here. It is. I can't believe it's December. First of all, let me just say that. (laughs) I have not yet adjusted to the fact that it's December, but it is December, and coming up on December 9th is the big 10TV toy drive, which will happen right here at 770 Twin Rivers Drive, and we will be out front of the station collecting toys for the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army here in Central Ohio has what they call a Christmas cheer program, Dave, and what they do is try to make Christmas merry for families that need a lot of help and these are folks who maybe have lost jobs or are just um, just not able to provide the kind of holiday cheer that they normally would be able to. And we've got a lot of those folks since the pandemic. So we try to help by collecting toys that the Salvation Army can then give to families who can then give them to their children on Christmas morning. And I know a lot of people are familiar with when uh, you're showing folks dropping into the station uh, in the parking lot and dropping toys off, but that's just a small part of everything that's going on. There is so much of a ramp up to this, Dave. It is already in full swing. We have Three, no, that's wrong. We have four big partners that help us with this. Um, our sponsors are Safe Harbor Retirement Group, Danbury Senior Living, City Barbecue, and the Columbus Blue Jackets have been our partners from the very, very beginning. So they have already started collecting. They have collection boxes. There are collection boxes in the City Barbecue restaurants, at the Danbury uh, Living, Senior Living um, facilities, and at Safe Harbor, and the Blue Jackets have already started promoting it on their home game screens and all over the city we've got opportunities for folks to drop toys off. All the chiller houses that the Blue Jackets run, the uh, Blue Line store at Polaris, so there are plenty of opportunities right now to drop off those new unwrapped toys and then that culminates with the toy drive. So yeah, right now it's going on. I always say that the toy parade here at 10TV is the end of it, but it's going on right now. That's uh, fantastic. And do you have any sense over the years how it has changed in terms of participation or or even like the, say, the types of toys or, or the amount of toys that folks give? I think that, first of all, Central Ohio is one of the most generous places to live. The people here get it. They understand helping. And I think that we've been doing this for maybe 10 years now. I can't quite 
put a date on it. But so we're kind of the baby of the group when it comes to the big toy drives here. Mm -hmm. But I think that as we have gone on and as our toy drive has gained more recognition and there's more awareness that we are getting more cars that come through here on Twin Rivers Drive. And it's interesting because we will actually get people who call or email or text and want to know what kind of toys are kids interested in. There are a lot of folks who don't have kids or their kids are grown and they have no idea what to give. And what we're seeing, of course, we didn't have a toy drive last year, but in 19, we saw, um, surprisingly, a lot of big toys, a lot of bikes. That really tickled me to see the number of bikes that we were able to put in the prop room. Folks just dropped off kids' bikes just like it was nothing. Mm. We get a lot of games, a lot of educational toys, and um, then a lot of, jeez, um, what do you call them? Uh, we used to call them G.I. Joes and action figures. There you go. Right. See, I'm dating myself now. <laughs> G.I. Joe. Do they even still make G.I. Joe? <laughs> but we get a lot of the, whatever the popular Marvel uh, or Disney action figures are. So I think people are very intentional about what they pick up. They want to make sure that it is a gift that kind of keeps on giving and the kid doesn't just play with it for a couple of days and then you find an arm here and a leg here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Folks are really trying to be more purposeful about their giving and giving toys that kids can really learn from and enjoy. You mentioned the G.I. Joes, and it reminded me that when I was a kid, and this was many, many decades ago now, uh, my brothers and I would take our G.I. Joes, put them in shoe boxes, and throw them down the stairs to see what kind, what kind of twisted situations they would be in after they landed. <laughs> I am so glad that you outgrew that phase. That's a little disturbing. It is disturbing. (laughs) Disturbing. But I will tell you what my brothers did to our Barbie dolls. So we'll just uh, leave it at that. Right. Talking with uh, Angela Pace, she's the director of community affairs for 10TV. Uh, So the actual day of the parade itself, uh, give folks some information about how they can participate. All right, that's going to be on Thursday, December 9th, right here at the 10TV Studios, 770 Twin Rivers Drive. And so we are just north of the main post office uh, and in the Grandview area. We will begin at 7 a.m. We'll be all set up and ready to take your toys, and it will run through 6.30. We will be doing live hits. We will have our noon show live. We're going to have Somebody from the Blue Jackets come by. I always pull for Jody Shelley because I've had a huge crush on him for years. <laughs> I think Jody has some kind of a restraining order out against <laughs> me, though, so he may not show up. But the Blue Jackets are great. They always send Stinger and, and Chili Bear or Chiller Bear, and they always send either a player or a player alum, and they'll be giving out free tickets, I'll tell you that. There is a limited number of free tickets, depending on what time of day you come by. And then we'll do our entire early newscast from 5 to 6.30 out front, and folks can come by. And there'll be plenty of signage and directions. And you can get more information by going to 10tv.com slash toy drive. That'll give you directions to the station and an idea of what we have going on 
all day long. All right, terrific. Uh, Angela, anything else you'd like to add? I just want to thank the community. Oh, one thing I forgot. Anybody who's going to the Blue Jackets game that night, the Blue Jackets have a home game on the night. Anybody who's going to the Blue Jackets game, you can drop toys off there if you can't make it down here. I forgot. And the Blue Jackets are not going to be happy with me for forgetting, but yeah, we're going to have a big truck set up there so the folks can drop off toys at that game. But I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank the folks who've been with us from the very beginning, especially City Barbecue, the Blue Jackets, and Safe Harbor. And then our our new friends, Danbury Senior Living, they've been with us for a couple of years. But I really, really, really want to thank you and the folks from the radio station. You always help me to to put the word out about this event. We've got a couple of radio folks who will be outside helping us collect toys on Thursday. And I want to thank the people of Central Ohio. They never, never, never fail us. They always support us on all of our endeavors, but especially this one, because they understand that not everybody can have a happy holiday without help. Excellent. Angela Pace, Director of Community Affairs for 10TV. Thanks so much for your time and the information today. Well, thank you, Dave. Again, really, really appreciate your helping us with this. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their request to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com and thanks for listening. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. This is Dave James, and joining me on the phone is Lydia Mihalik, who is the director of the Ohio Department of Development. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, We've uh, talked to you a couple of times in the past year or so, and one of the hats that you wear as the director of the Ohio Department of Development falls under the Division of Tourism, right? Oh, it is. It absolutely is. One of the many things I get to to do on behalf of the state of Ohio. And uh, obviously it's the holiday season now, but before we get into some of the details about that, how did uh, the summer go as far as tourism in Ohio? Oh, you know, it was a great it was a great year for tourism uh, in the state of Ohio. We came strong out of the pandemic. Uh, we, you know, we continued that shop local uh, message, and uh, a lot of our uh, our small businesses uh, had a really strong season. Uh, a lot of folks got out uh, and and enjoyed all that Ohio has to offer, and we're really looking to continue that uh, here uh, into the holiday season. You know, I saw during Cedar Point's Halloween weekends that again this year like some years in the past they had to actually stop admitting people because it was full which is always a good sign not fun for folks who can't get in but still a good sign it is an absolutely uh, incredible sign and it's just wonderful to see people out and about enjoying uh, great great attractions like cedar point 
So now with uh, the holiday season upon us, what does that mean for that division? Well, you know, look, Ohio Find It Here is really getting out uh, and encouraging shoppers to experience, uh, you know, the wonder of the season. Uh, There's so many places uh, that you can plan uh, a trip to one of Ohio's very unique uh, retailers. And and quite frankly, it's not just going out to shop. We want folks to get out and experience uh, these these places uh, to shop. So go out and and spend your dollar for a special gift uh, for someone uh, unique uh, in your life, but also go out and, you know, get a bite to eat uh, or, you know, get a great cup of coffee uh, to carry along with you in and out of these shops. There's just so much to see and do, and you can plan uh, your next shopping experience at Ohio.org. And one of the things that you highlight is the diversity, everything from something like Easton, which is, you know, big city shopping to a lot of small towns that have the, the charm and the small shops. Oh, yeah, it's really incredible. You know, there are a lot of communities across the state that have put a lot of time and effort uh, into making those, uh, you know, those charming towns super special and very unique. Uh, and, you know, there, there's something, you know, still uh, interesting about shopping online. But quite frankly, um, you can't beat shopping in person uh, with friends and family. Uh, and there's some great memories uh, to be made along the way. So we're really encouraging folks to get out for the holidays uh, uh, and take the time uh, to, to do it with friends uh, and family. And you can find a lot of really special places uh, by going to Ohio.org to learn more. Talking with Lydia Mahalik, she's director of the Ohio Department of Development. Uh, can you give us a, a couple of examples of your favorites or areas that you're highlighting? Well, I'll tell you, I, I spend a lot of time uh, between Columbus, uh, you know, during uh, during the week, uh, and then also, you know, back home uh, in Findlay. But if, if you're uh, in the Columbus area, you know, you can't beat the short north uh, for some small business uh, shopping. Red Giraffe Designs has some really great handmade jewelry uh, that, that you can use uh, as, as a special, unique uh, gift. Also, homage uh, T-shirts and leisure wear, you know, they there's uh, something awesome uh, about uh, wearing uh, their their apparel uh, to show your Ohio pride. Uh, and then, you know, back in Findlay, we've got Flag City Clothing, Dietz Brothers Chocolate uh, that you can enjoy, uh, some some uh, chocolate-covered pretzels and a great, um, you know, so, some great ice cream, uh, which is, you know, some of the best uh, in the country. Uh, but lots of places across the state, actually, that are very similar. It's really hard uh, to pick out just one. The bet that unfortunately Governor Mike DeWine lost to uh, Michigan's governor. Uh, He is sending a bunch of stuff that is kind of uh, right along the lines of the things that you're talking about. Cream puffs from Schmitz in Columbus, black raspberry chip ice cream from Graders in Cincinnati, chocolate-covered pretzels from Malley's in Cleveland, Buckeye candies from Marsh's Homemade Buckeyes in Perrysburg. I know lots of those things, and while it it was it stung a little bit uh, losing that game uh, last weekend, um, I take uh, you know I, I take a little bit of comfort in knowing that you know once every nine years or so uh, isn't isn't all that bad. <laughs> yeah, I think we can live with that. <laughs> uh, you know, another thing going on too that's really cool is Winterfest at Kings Island. That's going on all through December. It's really cool. You know, I think a lot of people think about, uh, you know, some of these amusement parks as things that you can do, you know, just when the weather's warm. But quite frankly, uh, you know, places like Kings Island, 
uh, you know, utilize, uh, you know, the holiday season uh, to showcase uh, their their uniqueness. And it's a great uh, place to go uh, to take your family and take in, you know, the holiday lights. And they put a lot of time and effort in that. So certainly encouraging folks to get out to Winterfest as well. I think they even have about 20 rides running. So it's a pretty unique experience. It is. It absolutely is. And it's, you know, all, all a part of our Holiday Lights Trail uh, as well. I think we've got, you know, more than 40 uh, stops uh, this year, more than we've ever had across the state of Ohio, uh, where you can go and enjoy, uh, you know, enjoy the holiday season and see some really cool things uh, related to the holidays, a lot of lights uh, displays, and you can learn more at Ohio.org. What about, say, southeast Ohio or up in uh, northeast Ohio, Amish country? Oh, yeah. You know, look, again, lots of uh, great uh, experiences uh, where, uh, you know, you can find uh, that those unique gifts. Um, but also, you know, lots of outdoor uh, activities uh, as well. And as long as, you know, as we were talking earlier, as long as the weather continues to be a little mild, uh, there's still a, a lot of tolerable activities uh, that folks uh, can still do. Uh, and sh- certainly December is a great month uh, to be able to do that as well. And I would think uh, unfortunately, with this new variant that's starting to make news, that there may be more people now planning to, to stick around home in December than maybe were planning to a week or two ago. But this is still a great opportunity to get out and do some stuff. Yeah, you know, and I got to say that our state parks have become uh, even more popular uh, than than they were uh, before, and we've encouraged folks, uh, you know, during uh, during the pandemic and, and even as we're coming out uh, of the pandemic, to really take advantage of all the natural wonder and beauty there is uh, to see at our state parks. And you know, quite frankly, uh, the the end of fall and the, the beginning of winter is a great time uh, to do that. You can get out and hike uh, and and do a lot of winter activities. Uh, in our state parks and they're just super popular right now and it's a great way uh, to be able to enjoy uh, time together uh, and and do it outside in a safe way and the state park lodges of which there are many were offering thanksgiving dinners uh, they're really getting into the holiday spirit you know, Director Mertz uh, over at DNR and her team have done a wonderful job of, you know, really highlighting what's what's great about those state properties. And, and we can't wait uh, to just continue to make them even better uh, as the year goes on. Talking with Lydia Mahalik, she's director of the Ohio Department of Development. Anything else you'd like to add? No, look, we're just really excited about the holiday season. We can't wait uh, for people to really just uh, soak everything there is up uh, to enjoy uh, here in the state of Ohio and and do things that are special uh, with family and friends. And uh, we're, we're excited uh, about about uh, the, the end of this year and, and excited about what there is uh, to do at the beginning uh, of 2022. And uh, we're just grateful uh, for, for everything that we have uh, to enjoy here uh, in the state of Ohio. Okay, and the website again? Ohio.org to learn more. Great. Thanks so much, Director. Thank you so much, Dave. Have a great holiday season. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. One with the vice president as she makes a stop in Columbus. What she has to say about the growing costs of life and the growing number of COVID-19 cases. And the governor defends the new Ohio voting map, why he says it creates competitive districts. 
plus the push to help Ohio families cover the cost of taking care of a new baby or sick loved one. We look at a new bill that would guarantee family medical leave for all employees. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for Face the State. I'm Tracy Townsend. As the nation celebrates Thanksgiving, there could be a portion of gratitude for how states across the nation will benefit from the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Ohio benefits to the tune of more than $10 billion over the next five years for investments including roadways, railways, broadband, and even water lines. There was a cross-country victory march by President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, who talked with 10TV's Andrew Kinsey about how our state will benefit. Let me start with the infrastructure deal, uh, now law, the uh, president signed to Monday. Talk about what this means for small businesses and, more importantly, those minority business owners that struggled through this pandemic. Well, you know, a, a large part of the work that we have been doing as an administration has been focused on equity and equitable outcomes for any investment we make, because we know in the pandemic actually highlighted that there are disparities based on race. So, for example, we are paying attention to the fact that we are going to create millions of jobs through our infrastructure act now, um, and we want to make sure that there is an equitable distribution of the resources and the populations and communities that benefit from that. So we will actually be tracking it. And, and I think that what's really important is to recognize that when you look at places like Columbus, Ohio, we are talking about an incredible amount of work that can be done for which there are skilled workers, many of whom are being trained by labor unions, such as the building trades, the plumbers and the pipefitters. And so we we want to make sure that we get the resources to the folks so we can build up the skills and then build back up our country. We're talking about uh, building and working. Let's talk about the inflation the U.S. is experiencing right now. Many across the country, even here in central Ohio, filling the economic pinch. It's going to be a more expensive Thanksgiving, more expensive Christmas. Uh, what is the administration doing to help? And can you guarantee that the new spending and this Build Back Better plan uh, won't ex exacerbate the, the, the uh, inflation problem that they're seeing? So the president and I are very, very, very um, much focused on what we need to do, dealing with the fact that the price of gas has gone up, the price of groceries has gone up, and we want to bring that those that down, including bring the cost of living down. You know, that's what inflation means. Just mean, it means that in, in, in its most simple point is that everything costs more. Well, Build Back Better is about saying, let's bring down the cost of child care. Let's bring down the cost of elder care. Let's bring down the cost of prescription drugs so that folks who have diabetes are not paying more than $35 a month for their insulin. Let's bring down the cost of housing. That's what we will accomplish when we pass the Build Back Better agenda. And in fact, you know, big economists from Moody's and, and, and 17 um, Nobel laureates who are economists have all said that our agenda is going to actually strengthen the economy and bring down costs. We're still wearing these masks um, yes. and we are heading into the holidays and health experts are concerned about a second wave of the Delta variant. Uh, is the administration doing enough to get a control on this or what else can be done? More people need to get vaccinated. That's the bottom line. Look, the vaccines are safe. They are free and they will save people's lives. And now, thankfully, children can get vaccinated. And we want to encourage every parent and every individual, get vaccinated. It will save your life.
And that is one of the ways that we have seen that we can get in front of and finally get rid of what has been the impact of this virus on our lives, on our livelihoods, on our communities, on, on just the, 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 the loss of normalcy. Um, parents who have had to go through so much in terms of what this means about their children's education, we are all ready to get beyond this pandemic, but we all have a role to play. And a big part of our individual responsibility is to do everything we can to be safe, to be healthy, and that includes getting vaccinated. About eight months ago, you were tasked with the job of coming up with the solution for migration, immigration, border security. Uh, many would say we're not where we should be a year later here. Would you agree or disagree with that in any plans to go down to the U.S. border? So having been to the U.S. border, having been to Guatemala, having conversations that I've had with everyone from um, Boris Johnson of the United Kingdom to just yesterday talking with the Prime Minister of Canada and the President of Mexico, and having been in France last week talking with the President of, of, of France, we have got to deal with the fact that a big part of migration around the world, including what we are seeing um, here in the United States, has to do with people who are fleeing their countries of origin, either because they are fleeing harm or because they have no opportunities that allow them to satisfy their basic needs. So what we have to do is deal, yes, with the short-term issue of dealing with what's going on at the border. We, if we really want to be smart, we also have to be invested in what's going to be a long-term, not overnight solution, but it's about dealing with the root causes of why people leave their homes, and that includes an investment in, for us as the United States, the region of the Western Hemisphere and doing what we can to address the root causes of migration. And so that's what we're focused on. We're seeing great, um, great progress, but it, you can't just flip a switch. Lawmakers were part of a video made to highlight what they call big wins from that infrastructure bill signing. And while this was a bipartisan effort, Dan Lushek, who is the Ohio Communications Director of the RNC, says Republicans are still concerned about the cost. The GOP also said there is a lack of transparency when it comes to spending. So when you talk about roads and bridges and, and real infrastructure, you know, that's something that most rep Republicans support. With the, when, you, when you start spending trillions of dollars and there's not accountability on, on where that money is being spent, that's where Republicans tend to pause. And they really want to know, you know, where is every you know, dollar of this being spent? Because we're accountable to the taxpayers and the taxpayers in this state deserve to know where every penny is being spent that they're sending to Washington. Moving forward, you know, the, the, the families of Ohio, the workers in Ohio, they're feeling the impacts of, of this administration. They are feeling the rising prices at the gas pumps. They're feeling rising prices at the grocery store. This is set to be one of the most expensive holiday seasons that we've seen. And that's a result of inflation from, from these large spending bills. Now, as I said, maybe there is some um, in this bill that is that is good and necessary and, should, and the investments should be made. But as we look at the overall you know, agenda of this administration, we're very concerned that they continue to tax and spend without regard for the impact that it's having on Ohio's families. Real wages are down for workers, and this is going to have long-term impacts. Governor Mike DeWine is defending his signature on a controversial bill that could affect how much your vote matters. The governor signed a map splitting Ohio up into new voting districts. Now there are lawsuits claiming they're biased against Democrats. DeWine says the map had more competitive districts. It splits fewer cities, uh, splits fewer counties. 
uh, has more communities of interest um, that are not that are not split up. So on all four of those counts, the Republican map was better. If you look at the criticism of our congressional maps across the country uh, over the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, criticism by people who have written thoughtful um, stories. The number one concern has always been that there are not very many congressional districts that are competitive. The Republican proposed map, the bill that I signed, uh, has more competitive districts than the Democrat proposal, has more competitive districts than the current uh, districts that exist today. So I think competitive districts is important. And this map, the bill that I signed, has a significant number of competitive districts. Other legal challenges to the map are expected. They can be filed at the Ohio Supreme Court or in federal court if a violation of the Voting Rights Act is alleged. The Ohio Department of Health is warning people to get vaccinated against COVID-19 as the state had an increase in cases and hospitalizations this week. ODH says the highest level of transmission remains in counties with the lowest vaccination rates. It's clear that a higher vaccination rate is correlated with a lower case rate. Simply put, it's a further demonstration of the protective impact of vaccination and I hope a further encouragement for every Ohio to make the choice to get the vaccine. Simply stated, unvaccinated Ohioans remain vulnerable to COVID-19 and its many after effects because they haven't yet chosen to get vaccinated. While those who are vaccinated are remarkably well protected, particularly against severe disease and death from COVID-19. So as we look forward to the coming holiday season, as well as cold and flu season, please, if you aren't yet vaccinated, choose to get the vaccine. And if you are fully vaccinated and are now eligible for a booster, make an appointment or walk in at one of the many vaccine providers who accept walk-ins across the state. Staying up to date on immunizations has been an essential part of maintaining our well-being for decades. And getting the COVID-19 vaccines, as well as boosters, represents one of the best ways we can continue to protect our health. Taking time off work after having a baby isn't always an option for people in Ohio. Someone should not have to choose between a paycheck and taking care of those needs. Up next, a look at the new bill on the table that would change that and the opposition it's already facing. We know you have big hearts, Central Ohio. Help make the holidays brighter for local kids. Be a part of the Big Ten TV Toy Drive. And spread cheer to children in our community. Visit 10TV.com for a list of locations to drop off a new toy. Or text 10TV Toys to 919-99 to make a direct donation. You can also bring toys here during our 10TV Toy Parade December 9th. Because every child deserves a happy holiday. holiday. 
of a distraction? That's what we do best. Our hosts are expertly trained in the field of nonsense. Unplug your brain and plug us in. Proud to be your home for the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets crew, and forgetting about the world for a while. The Fan. This is Columbus Perspective on The Fan. This next segment of Face the State, courtesy of 10TV, begins with Colonel Richard Fambro, superintendent of the Ohio State Highway Patrol, talking about the implementation of body cameras within the patrol, which is beginning immediately and ramping up in the next few months. To provide some perspective, since 2018, troopers have had contact with over 3 million motorists, 3 million traffic stops. The protection of our constitutional and civil rights of people we serve is a paramount concern to the division. We have in written policy that during all law enforcement contacts, Troopers conduct business in a professional manner and do not engage in any behavior, and I'll underscore that, any behavior or activity that constitutes bias-based policing. It took a while to get this done. There are many layers and facets to it. The transition started November 2nd here in the Columbus District, and as the governor just said, the new system will be fully integrated and in play by May of next year. We critically reviewed all ranks and positions to determine the need for the issuance of body cameras and in-car systems. It was determined that all ranks from field trooper through staff lieutenant, operational positions, motor carrier enforcement inspectors and supervisors, OSHP police officers, Ohio investigative unit agents, and agents in charge will be wearing body cameras. We've reported before on how the cameras will be integrated into the other cameras already in use by the highway patrol one in the front of the patrol car and one in the back. They are all activated when the lights turn on, but they are always recording. Starting next year, all Ohio State Highway Patrol troopers will wear body cameras. Governor DeWine said he set aside $10 million in the 2022 operating budget to help local agencies pay for new body cam programs. The superintendent of the Ohio State Highway Patrol says all operational officers will have to wear the cameras. A bill is making its way through the state house that would protect working families if somebody gets sick. House Bill 491 would establish an insurance program for workers who have to take time off for health issues. It would guarantee paid medical leave for all. The money would come out of the workers' paychecks. It would also cover time off for the birth or adoption of a new baby or the death of a child. It was advanced in part by Democratic State Representative Allison Russo. She explains more about how it works. So this program uh, is a state program. It would work like very much like our uninsurance program works. Uh, it would be funded through um, premiums that are paid by the employee. Uh, we know from actuarial analysis of these types of programs in other states that we're talking about 25 to $30 per year per employee. So it is very cost effective, particularly for low wage workers who often don't have access to this benefit, but also for many of our small businesses who uh, want to offer these types of programs but find it very cost prohibitive to do it because they are very limited in the options that they have available to them. Representative Russo says the bill has faced some opposition from Republicans. They claim the bill unfairly taxes workers to pay for other people's medical emergencies. 
Ohio's bill is similar in part to the Build Back Better bill currently making its way through Washington, which also tries to establish paid family medical leave. Ohio's tried and failed to pass paid family medical leave multiple times. A mission is underway to end hair discrimination statewide with what's called the Crown Act. We speak with three prominent women about their natural hair and the need for change. Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. What is dedication? The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Darian. We call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. Welcome back. Right now, there is a push to stop hair discrimination against people of color who wear their hair natural. In July, Ohio Representative Juanita Brent reintroduced legislation to do just that. Now, she and other lawmakers are trying to get more support for the measure. We're talking about the Crown Act. Crown is an acronym that stands for Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. Right now, about a dozen states and several cities, including Columbus, have laws that make it illegal to discriminate against natural hair. But there's nothing on the books at the state level in our state right now. Producer Angel Brock and reporter Krista Frost spent weeks looking into how the Crown Act could change lives. We did relaxers and um, we learned how to do a relaxer on a curly um, headed mannequin. That's the extent of what Cassidy Womack learned about natural hair in cosmetology school, which came in handy when she was working with clients at her first job after school. Any and every texture, they um, loose textures, tight coils, everything. And then back then, I was doing a lot of relaxers. Fast forward seven years. I don't have one single relaxed client. That's something she's proud of, helping each person who comes to her understand how to care for their hair so they don't feel like this. A lot of them have had kind of a fear around being natural and just fully embracing it. Um, You know, they want to look professional. They want to look like they can fit in as well. That's a feeling Columbus City Council member Shayla Favor says she hopes to end. But what history has shown us and what my personal experience has taught me um, is that over the years uh, we have had to uh, conform uh, in order to fit the, the majority standards. Favor helped to pass the Crown Act in Columbus earlier this year and is now helping in the effort to propose and pass the law statewide. Um, The passage of the Crown Act ensures that um, uh, folks can show up as they are uh, to work with their hairstyles of their choosing um, and and not be discriminated against. Something Womack says she's ready for her clients to experience. It can now give people 
maybe a bit more confidence going into a professional workplace to know that at least they cannot be held back from the same opportunities as someone else because of the style that they chose or or their hair texture. And Krista Frost also talked with three prominent Ohio women who say they've experienced hair discrimination firsthand. These are women we know. Janelle Coleman, Vice President of Corporate Philanthropy and Community Engagement for AEP. Stephanie Hightower, Columbus Urban League President and CEO. And former 10TV anchor Angela Pace. All are rocking natural hairstyles, but getting there, they say, took decades. All right, so ladies, it's Saturday night. You're a little girl. What's happening? My mother is finishing up braiding my hair um, because it was an all-day process on Saturday. Mine was hot comb on the <laughs> stove um, and me flinching because I don't want her to burn my ear. Steph, let's start with you. How old were you when you got your first relaxer? Oh, gosh, probably by the time they start making relaxers, <laughs> my mother was running to the store to get me one. The first chemical that I had in my hair was a jerry curl. And I was about, I was actually, I was entering middle school. What was it that made you decide, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore? It was just the day came and I was ready. And I went to her, her salon and sat in the chair and I said, today's the day, let's do it. And she cut all of my hair off. I mean, it was a, like a, a buzz cut. And I absolutely loved it. It was just a sense of freedom. And it was 1976, and I decided I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I said, cut out my relaxed hair. And I had this, we call it the TWA, <laughs> yeah. a teeny weeny afro. And my grandmother, who was from the South and believed that a woman's hair is her crowning glory, took one look at me, went upstairs, went to bed. We didn't see her for three days. I mean, she was traumatized. For me, it was empowering. What kinds of issues have you had, especially on the professional level, with your natural hair? What the consultants and the political people were telling me was absolutely true. I didn't represent what the norm of what the majority community felt like a, a black politician needed to look like. And so, you know, with braids coming down and darks, that, that wasn't, that wasn't, that was almost like I wasn't votable. But where it came into play mostly was around people's curiosity, mm. right? So I have enough to deal with at work. <laughs> and you come to the office and people are peppering you with questions about your hair. When I first started reporting, I'm working at a local TV station that shall remain nameless. And um, the vice president in charge of news came to town. He said, um, Let's talk about your look. Okay. You know, we, we got to do something about those teeth, first of all. But let's talk about your hair. And I said, my hair? What's wrong with my hair? Well, it's just so ethnic. And I said, well, thank you very much for your advice. I got up, I went to the ladies' room, and I cried for 20 minutes. And then the next week, I made an appointment and got my hair straightened, and I wore it relaxed for the entire million and a half years that I was on TV. What would you say to people who are not people of color? What do they need to know about black women and their hair? Our hair is our crown, and you wouldn't walk up to the queen and touch her crown. <laughs> And you can see the entire conversation online at 10tv.com. Believe me, there's more. 
In the meantime, we thank you all so much for joining us today. Remember, if it affects you, your family, and Ohio, we're here to make sure those accountable face the state. That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but... I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. The strength of our country hasn't just been won on the battlefield. It's won every day in our communities when we come together in our toughest times. For over 100 years, the American Legion has been strengthening communities across our nation by providing life-saving help and support to our veterans and neighbors during times like we're facing today. We are the American Legion, veterans strengthening America. To learn how you can help, visit legion.org. You've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. You have to carefully monitor your health for the rest of your life. And you have an increased risk of developing cardiovascular disease. Cut. Take two. Action. You've been diagnosed with a new purpose. To fight for the amazing life you made for yourself. To look that risk of heart disease square in the face and say, no, not me. You've been given a new opportunity to live. Get started at NoDiabetesByHeart.org. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and on the phone with me, Dr. Stephen Gordon, chair of the Department of Infectious Disease at the Cleveland Clinic. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave, and um, it's great to be here with you this morning. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, We're uh, back to some pretty startling numbers when it comes to the coronavirus. 4,000 people across the state hospitalized with COVID, 1,000 of them in intensive care. What's going on with this virus? Well, Dave, I I think these are great questions, and yes, we're in the teeth of it here in Northeast Ohio. Um, And as we've learned throughout this pandemic, uh, humility is one of the things. Um, And I believe that this current wave that we're seeing is really focused again on the unvaccinated um, and also the fact, obviously, that during the course of the past several months, people have kind of, um, I would say, we're not seeing as much mask wearing and social distancing. Uh, A lot of that is from fatigue, um, but there's still a lot of virus out there. And yes, we are seeing increasing numbers of cases hospitalized here in Northeast Ohio. It really seems amazing to me because when you think back to the earlier days of the pandemic when the death rate was high, you know, it was a lot of uh, older people, really frail people in nursing homes. And now we're still losing 400 people a week in Ohio. And I would imagine that not as many of those are in nursing homes. No, Dave, I I think you raised some points is is that... um, 
is that age or or comorbid or comorbid uh, conditions are certainly put you at higher risk. Um, but the highest risk is still even for relatively young people for severe disease is going to be uh, no immunity and unvaccinated. Um, and so again, the majority of the patients that we're seeing with most severe illness here in the clinic are still are among those among unvaccinated. And so that is still our biggest, what we would say, preventive tool in the box um, is is trying to address that issue. There are still, as you know, in the homeland, probably estimated 50 to 60 million Americans who are eligible for vaccine that have not yet been vaccinated. The Omicron uh, variant, how much does it uh, concern you? It's very concerning. Um, you know, and for those... You know, this is a new kind of word that's coming to our lexicon. Omicron means 15, and again, it's it's the newest variant of concern. Um, recently identified, not surprisingly, here in the United States, um, but the original focus was in South Africa. But what we've learned, of course, about COVID-19 is it's a global phenomenon. So if it's anywhere in the world, it's going to be everywhere in the world. Um, this particular variant of concern um, there's still unanswered questions, but what has alarmed the scientists is that it carries so many novel mutations, especially in that spike protein area, which may or may not confer maybe more virulence or, or more pathogenicity, more potential transmissibility. And then, of course, what we don't know is how much protection someone like myself, who's been boosted or people who have had COVID, will have against reinfection of this variant. So those questions are being actively looked at, but have us all on higher alert. But I think it's just another reminder of control those things we can control. And again, uh, that gets back to what we would call the people that are unvaccinated that are eligible. Uh, and also for those that are eligible for boosters, we have plenty of vaccine available. Some of the viruses that we're familiar with seem to fade over time. And I'm thinking, you know, the Zika virus or West Nile virus, is this one going to fade or weaken over time? You know, another great question. I mean, when we talk about coronaviruses, as you know, there's four other seasonal coronaviruses that cause colds. Um, and, you know, so mutations do occur. It is, it is actually hoped over time, obviously, as we were acquire uh, immunity from vaccine and natural infection, that the, the virus itself may tamper down and just be reduced to something like a cold. But we don't know that, and I don't want to forecast that. What we do know now, though, is, as you pointed out, is 1,000 Americans a day are still dying of COVID-19, and we're heading into the, the 20th month of the pandemic. And so we do not have this contained. And I will say for the healthcare systems, you know, the healthcare workers are becoming exhausted. Um, you know, we have been kind of fighting the front lines for a long time. So one of our pleas also is get vaccinated for us to decrease the burden of, of disease that we need to treat so we can focus again on other, other things that do need to be treated that are probably, again, in areas where there's long emergency department waiting rooms, people are probably just foregoing that when normally they would seek medical attention. So there's a lot of secondary issues that go on other than COVID, as we all know, when we experienced those big surges uh, last winter in the summer. Talking with Dr. Stephen Gordon from the Cleveland Clinic, we have a story today out of Toledo where uh, health officials are concerned because too many people are going to the emergency room who don't necessarily need emergency care for the condition that their COVID is in, and that's also stressing hospital staff. Are you seeing that in Cleveland? No, that's a great point. I mean, um, you know, access to care is always an issue. 
But the other thing I want to say is we've seen now influenza A, uh, which was dormant last season, is now um, increased four times uh, during this past month in terms of cases that we've seen here. So it's still only 3% of people being tested for flu are positive, but that number is increasing. So the other thing we're fearing is uh, we could be faced with what we call a double whammy. Uh, COVID still surging, then a seasonal influenza, um, which, as you know, affects children as well as adults, um, and that will only increase demand for, for medical services uh, and beds in a time where um, we're also having trouble, as you know, with healthcare workers staffing beds, and we're really coming up with um, what I would say is is emergent situations for healthcare delivery, um, and this is a cause of concern. The way that this thing ebbs and flows just really seems odd to me. You know, the flu doesn't do that. We had a, a peak in September. Now we're back again in November. Florida had a peak, uh, I think, you know, back in January or February and then again in July. I mean, how, why does this happen to this virus but not the flu? Well, it's a good question. I mean, you know, when we survey for flu, actually you can see flu all, all year round uh, in terms of this. But, yes, we do, you know, we usually think of flu it's more seasonal, and coronavirus may or may not end up being more seasonal. Um, you know, we just don't know. We're obviously learning as we go on. But, David, I do want to emphasize is that the caseload is cor- inversely correlated to the vaccine update. So in these areas of the country um, that where we're seeing high cases, it's, it's usually inversely related to vaccine coverage. And as you know, Americans, there's a lot of migration, too, when we talk about Florida ebb and flow in terms of here. Uh, and even even in, in other parts of America. So I, I do want to, again, just reemphasize um, for people who have been hesitant about getting the vaccine, there's no better time, in my opinion, uh, to reassess that decision with your health care provider, um, you know, talking to your health care professionals uh, and sticking your arm out uh, to protect yourselves and to protect your loved ones. And real quick, I just wanted to ask as we wrap up, what about parents, though, who are concerned about long-term effects of what this vaccine could do to their young kids? You know, um, I think that's a, it's a, an interesting concern, but, but I'd pivot back and say I'd be more concerned about the long-term effects of having COVID, right? I mean, we, we know about long-hauler syndromes and some of the sequelae in adults and children, uh, you know, that we're still describing. So there is a bigger risk, I think, for the sequelae of, of COVID-19. In terms of long-term effects, for children of vaccines, there's been no safety signals, um, you know, in the studies and even beyond. And most of the adverse events we would see associated with vaccines would occur within that first 30-day period. And now we are, as you know, almost, in, you know, 12 months into uh, our experience with vaccines in hundreds of millions of people here in the States uh, and more than that globally. So five years from now, do you think most Americans will have gone through eight or 10 or 12 vaccines to try to keep this thing tamped down? Well, that's a great question, Dave. I mean, you know, as you know, um, one of the potential benefits has been some of the technologies, including the mRNA platform. It won't surprise me to see that maybe the coronavirus will be combined with your, your influenza vaccine and especially targeted for those people at higher risk for severe outcomes, but, um, but I think we'll just have to wait and see. I think I remain positive. I, I mean, I want to remain positive here that we've learned a lot, and hopefully we'll also learn um, about, you know, the next pandemic, which will certainly come, and that we've learned a lot about prevention there and other things. For instance, 
in cold and flu season, it may not be so bad to wear a mask, uh, especially here in a hospital and hospital workers during cold and flu season, uh, to prevent transmission of not just coronavirus, but also flu, RSV, rhinovirus. So we'll just have to wait and see. Dr. Stephen Gordon, chair of the Department of Infectious Disease at the Cleveland Clinic. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Dave. This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation to the fan. Heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM. That's 1460 ESPN Columbus. And Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.